Jeez. I hate to say it, but our parents were right. When I was younger, I used to love reading. I would eat up anything. It would be fantasy, something like Harry Potter or The Hunger Games. When I was really little, I really loved Dr. Seuss and all of his books. But for some reason, when I got into high school, that all changed. I think it's probably because my incentives for reading changed instead of doing it because I wanted to. I had to do it because I was told to in a class or in an activity. And that really hurt me. I lost a part of me that I loved and I honestly have not rekindled it until about six months ago. I only started to learn how to love reading again when I started to reevaluate what was important to me. This is when I was making a lot of goals for myself and I challenged myself to just read a book a month. That simple, 12 books in a year. But after a month, what I realized is I was so interested in what I was reading that I was actually reading four books during that first month. So I changed my goal and I've been reading a book a week ever since. Now, for me, I think my story's a little bit different. Uh, while Asher read a lot when he was younger, I really didn't. In fact, I was not a great reader and had to be put in reading enrichment classes because when everybody else was excelling in their reading skills, moving up on the levels, like you remember when we had the levels um, in, in reading. Um, when <laughs> I was, everybody I was, was like a B for like three years. Yeah, dude, <laughs> like when everybody else was excelling, like getting to level Z, I think I was at like a C and uh, no lie, I was just terrible at reading and Instead of working at it, I just thought that it was really just the worst thing out there and I didn't want to pursue it and I didn't want to progress in the realm of reading and literature in general. But slowly through my classes when I was younger, I learned to read a little bit better, although I wasn't perfect, and began to read a lot more books. And one series in particular, which I can pinpoint, is the Who Was Who Are series, I think is what you, it's called. You literally ate those up. Like yeah, We dude. would go to Barnes & Noble and you'd buy 10 of them. And for a kid who wasn't an avid reader, for me to be reading that much on that frequent of a basis was really something special. But besides from that, I didn't really read many other book series. Um, and really, it's just been like a fleeting activity of mine. Up until recently, when I started rekindling my passion for, for reading. I think that my new interest in reading and literature in general came along with Asher's progress. Um, when he started reading more, subsequently I started reading more. And I think that's usually how we work. We work in, in tandem. We work together. And so when I saw him reading a lot more, I was like, hey, let me pick up a book as well. Now, that might sound weird to the teenagers who are listening to this, thinking, hey, why are these kids reading? That's so weird. But trust me, I can assure you that my life has changed ever since I picked up a book. There's something really nice in my mind about reading a physical book. It's very different in my mind than reading on a Kindle or on your iPad, at least for myself. It helps me because I feel it. I, it's literally sitting next to my bed every single night. Whereas with an iPad, I could do literally anything on it. But on top of that, I really like, and a lot of people are probably going to give me slack for this, I like to annotate even when it's a book for pleasure. For some reason, it just helps me learn more if I take a pen and put it to paper. So, I mean, if I were going to recommend anything, it would be figure out what you're most comfortable with 
when it comes to your reading. If you're someone who likes to read on a Kindle and you have a Kindle, read on a Kindle. If you don't like reading on a Kindle and you like books, Amazon Prime will get it to you in literally like 12 hours. Um, so there are a ton of things at your disposal at this point. Just pick up a book and read is all that we would recommend. So the reason why we say your parents or our parents were right is that reading genuinely is a vital part of life. Not only does it show us new things in the world or different cultures, but instead of showing us one perspective, which is the life that we're living right now, it shows us a multitude of perspectives. A person in the sub-Saharan desert can be talking about their experiences. And, and then you can read another book about a person who is a cook and their life as a cook. It really just shows you a bunch of different perspectives, which you wouldn't have had otherwise if you hadn't just picked up the book and read. One quote that our mom would always tell us is, when you don't read, you live one life. But when you do read, you live a thousand lives. And when she said that to us just a few months ago, uh, again, for the first time in years, it really spoke to me. It reminded me that even though we have something in our, in our pocket that can show us other people's lives, there's nothing like the level of depth that you get in a book from someone's perspective. You might be asking yourself, Asher and Joey, it's great that y'all like reading, but I don't like reading something unless it's actually interesting, unless I learn something. Well, I mean, if you're asking yourself that, that's a perfect question. It's a valid question. And it's also why we want to give you three book recommendations. You could take it, you could leave it, but we're going to tell you a little bit about why we liked it and what we So the first book that we want to start off with is... One of my favorite books, it's called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And it basically talks about how people spread themselves too thin, to put it simply. And that's definitely a downside in our generation, that people aren't able to streamline their thought, streamline their activity, and actually become successful. Instead of having depth in a particular subject matter, they have a lot of breadth. Um, so... Greg McCohen talks a little bit about how we can discern the essential from the non-essential and then simply cut out the non-essential to be left with the vital aspects which we need in life. And he applies this to a business perspective on how we can discern the non-essential aspects of a business, for instance, a Silicon Valley uh, tech technology company, um, and basically refine it to identify the essential aspects which allow that company to run. Um, now, there's a few things which I've learned from this particular book, the first of which is a little bit more general, and I think that it can apply to almost every book that you read. And what I learned is that when you choose a particular book or even an article and when you read it, you're learning a little bit more about yourself that you did not know. It's almost like in a video game where you have those hidden figures and then once you reach a particular level, you kind of unlock it and you get to see the figure. It's almost like that. You get to learn a little bit more about yourself, learn a little bit more about how you interact with others in social situations, and a plethora of other things. This book in particular unlocked a new character myself in the sense that once I read each chapter, each page, each word, I got to understand every single action which I do in my day. Now, it not, might not be that simple where I understand everything that I do in my life, but it definitely made me more aware of every action that I make. For instance, when I'm looking at my cell phone, 
I've noticed that nine times out of 10, I'm looking at it for non-essential purposes. I'm not doing it to develop myself, but in turn, I'm doing it, I'm looking at my cell phone as a source of entertainment, as a time filler. Another thing which I learned is that it's really interesting how we can use thought, aka an immaterial thing, something that is not physical, yet it can develop into something material. For instance, when you are thinking about working out and creating a workout program, maybe in your head, you're not doing anything physical. It's not a material thing. But that thought can develop and snowball, so to say, into something material, which is you working out or you lifting the dumbbell. Also, what this book taught me is that I, much like other people, spend time on a lot of useless things. And that might seem a little bit redundant at first, and it might seem a little bit like, what are you saying, Joey? But once you start reading the book, once you start analyzing every action that you do throughout the day, almost in a meticulous manner, you understand that you spend time on things that don't give you any real gain. So you're giving 80% of the effort, but you're not actually reaping the rewards of the activity which you're doing. And what this book taught me is that there's a way to refine your life. There's a way to pinpoint what things are essential and discern what is not essential. And once you do that, you can focus your attentions, your energy, your life on the things that are essential. And it almost gives you a blueprint as to how to do that. Our second book recommendation is Drive by Daniel H. Pink. Now, a little bit of background on Daniel H. Pink. He's a super interesting guy. If any of you like Malcolm Gladwell, their buddies, you'd probably also really like Daniel H. Pink. This book in particular, he talks about uh, what motivation is and how science and business are really not following in the same exact path when it comes to motivating Our current business operating system, which is built on external motivators, a carrot and stick motivator, doesn't really speak and doesn't really work to what we actually care about. And it often actually does our businesses harm. We need an upgrade is basically what Daniel H. Pink is saying. And the science shows the way for all these things. So he gives three essential elements to this new approach. He says that we should have autonomy in the workspace desire to direct our own lives. He says that we should have a level of mastery that we can get, the urge to make progress, get better at something that matters to you. And third, he makes the argument that we need purpose in our work, the yearning to do something that's actually going to be in service of a larger project than just for yourself. I think this book is amazing um, for multiple reasons. It focuses on motivational psychology, positive psychology, motivational ethics, motivational economics, it's, it's super interesting. And, and I'm not going to lie, this book really changed my life. It taught me strategies to motivate myself when I'm feeling down and out. Major things that I learned, first, use DIY report cards for yourself, not in a stereotypical, I'm, I'm going to get this grade, this grade, this grade. Instead, it asks you to create goals, then reevaluate them afterwards. So it gives you that constant feedback loop. Because what Daniel H. Pink argues is that we actually care more about social validation than we do about monetary gain. And if we can put the onus of control back into yourself and give yourself active reflection, it's way better than if you're just looking at how much money you're going to make. The second thing is, it's, and this is going to sound super weird, 
but he makes the argument that we need free days, like one free day a month or a week, and he calls them these FedEx days because I think FedEx is, is the, the business that worked on this in the first place where you can just solve any problem that you want to. So in that day, you have the entire day to yourself and your only job is create something that fixes a problem. This gets people thinking, it gets people moving, it gets them motivated, they want to do their job, they, and it actually shows that you have higher retention rates. The next thing is have people answer to you what makes them motivated if you're leading a business. Um, and this is actually kind of an interesting strategy because it makes you focus more on the people that are in your business and it makes you focus more on how to keep them motivated, working hard so that at the end of the day, you're making more money and people get more validation. In their life. The next book is a book that both Asher and I have read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's titled Born a Crime. It's by Trevor Noah, the comedian. He has a late night show. He's an amazing comedian, but I would argue an even better writer. For sure. In the title, you might first ask yourself, why is it called Born a Crime? It requires a little bit of background into where he's from. So he's from South Africa, and he lived toward the very end of apartheid. So if you all aren't uh, familiar with apartheid, it was basically... Think about America's segregation, but almost worse in South Africa, where people were divided into four categories, whether it be white, colored, black, or Indian. Mm-hmm. And uh, nine times out of 10, the black community or the native community in South Africa was disproportionately uh, disadvantaged in comparison to the white community there, aka the Afrikaner community. And so what you learn by, by reading this book is that Trevor Noah is, is mixed. He has a white father and a black mother. And having that relationship just existing for him was literally being a criminal. There's this beautiful line in the book that I believe very specifically says that I was always already a criminal. I was born a criminal and I could never run away from it. And this, it's this very interesting book not so much really about Trevor, but it's really about his mom and his relationship with his mother. It is such a roller coaster ride. It was an amazing book, taught me so much about South Africa, taught me so much about apartheid that I had not known, and from a very personal perspective. And it helped me on my final today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you just had your what world regions? Yeah. So if 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 there's anything that you can take away from this is read because it'll help you on your tests. <laughs> um, and this book also helped me kind of figure out a lot of race relations in, in our own country, especially since in apartheid, it was much more complex. Like Joey said, there, were, there weren't just two groups or, or even three groups, but there were four groups and people were shifting in and out of these groups simply because the government said that Instead of being colored now, now you're, now you're white. And it was this very weird relationship where simply just by the color of your skin, you could be in a totally different community. You have way more opportunities. You can get a job. You can get a better house. And it's very, very reminiscent of what we're still facing in the United States with our race relations. So it's not just a good book to learn about other countries, but it's also a good book to learn about your own country. And it talks about all of Trevor's upbringing. It's a really cool story, and it's also a memoir. So it walks through 
a bunch of different stories in his life. The ending is way out there. Like for sure. You would not expect the ending at all, but that's what makes it so amazing. So Ash, I know that this is a little bit spontaneous, but if there's one major takeaway which you had to get from the Born a Crime book, what would it be? Ooh. Hmm. Okay, that's really hard. I think it would probably be given his life was so turbulent, you might make the assumption that life is very complicated. But I think he makes the argument that life is actually much more simple than we make it out to be. That if we focus on the people that we love, we focus on the things that we're passionate about, it can catapult us into a whole new realm. And facing uh, these different questions of race, facing this question of, am I supposed to exist here? All these very big questions, it teaches you a lot about yourself, a lot about what you care about. So for me, that would probably be the biggest thing I learned. But what is the biggest thing that you learned from the book? It's hard. It's not, I, I it's not easy. It's definitely <laughs> difficult. I mean, if there's one takeaway which I got from the book is that the outsider mentality is most of the time false mm-hmm. and self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Trevor Noah's situation, he genuinely was an outsider. But at the same time, there were people who were in similar situations as he was. And yet, it's not to say that he's a real outsider in his community. He almost did that to himself despite the the whole apartheid scheme of uh, race segregation. But he almost used that and catapulted him to a state of isolation. Mm. And so he felt like he wasn't worthy enough of anyone else because they weren't exactly like him. But at the same time, there was people around him who were willing to talk to him and willing to converse with him, but he almost inflicted his own harm well i i don't also don't think it's totally just because of him uh, yeah definitely not definitely. societally he could not fit into any of these categories and yeah, there were very true. few colored people and the, he very distinctly talks about the fact that he had a white father and he would visit his his father and it would be a totally different experience for him than when he's with his mother living this double life not just in a racial context but even in a in a socioeconomic context that was super interesting that's not totally by his own fault but also society i definitely agree so where do you go from here you've heard about all the amazing things which we've learned which we've experienced through these books which we've read but what can you do well we have a challenge for you and the challenge is fairly simple pick up a book that you find interesting or even that you don't know about whatsoever, just pick a book up and start reading. Read, read, read. For real, just read. Don't read because you have a class for it. Read because you genuinely are interested in the topic. If you like to play soccer, find a book about soccer. If you like business, pick up a book about business, like Freakonomics. If you like poetry, pick up a poetry book. It really does not matter. Just find something that you think you're interested in and pursue it. So, at the end of the day, our elders were kind of right. They do know a lot more than we do. They have a lot more life experience. 
And they were right that reading is essential for our own success, for our own happiness. It takes you into different worlds, different minds, different places. If you like this episode, you might also like our Goodreads account. We post reviews of all the books that we're reading currently. We rate them as well. All the books that we mentioned on there that are also there. It's a nice central location for you to see what we're reading. We're also thinking about starting up an Amazon uh, affiliation link where you guys can just buy the book right when we talk about it. So it's a lot easier for you, but we'll keep you posted. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. And hopefully you pick up a book after you stop listening to this episode. As always, our links and contact information are in the description if you want to have a conversation with us, give your input, or just talk about anything we're here to listen. But as always, this is the DWD Podcast. Signing off. Keep on growing. Peace. Peace.